Welcome to Mind Love, episode 122. Today's episode is all about a new perspective on the law of attraction. You have to be able to discern thoughts. You have to be able to perceive yourself as the observer of thought and not the thought factory, right? You are not your thoughts. They are coming to you, but they do not define you in any way. They are simply a reflection of your vibration you are offering where you are right now. Everything's happening in the moment. The only thing that matters is in the moment. And gradually over time, you'll begin to push away or ease away and attract higher level thoughts. It's all in the thoughts. Things are neither good or bad. They are all neutral. And we are only judging them as good or bad. If we're judging them as good, well, that's because they align with how we think things should be. If we're judging them as bad, that's fear. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends and wild people. First off, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means even better guests and tons more value. Plus, it helps me grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone could use a little more mind love. What are your thoughts on the law of attraction? I remember the first time that I became aware of this idea that our thoughts actually manifest our reality. Someone at my sales job gave me the book, The Secret. Well, at first, I was skeptical. I read the back of the book. (laughs) I had already been living a good portion of my life being told to just believe something just because, or that I needed to have faith in a system that, for me, had so many holes and incongruities. So I was not about to just dive into this other belief system. Well, The Secret, both the movie and the book, take quotes from people from all walks of life, from both the present and the past, from different religions even. And there's something really powerful about hearing the same truth from different perspectives back to back. It's like finding the through line in all of these different belief systems. I mean, just listen to one minute of this and how do you feel afterwards? You see, whatever is going on in your mind, you're attracting to you. Now, wise people have always known that. You can go right back to the ancient Babylonians. They've always known this. It's a small select group of people. Why do you think that 1% of the population earns around 96% of all the money that's being earned? Do you think that's an accident? It's no accident. It's designed that way. They understand something. They understand the secret. And you are being introduced to the secret. The simplest way for me to look at the, the law of attraction is... If I think of myself as a magnet, and I know that a magnet will attract to it. Very basically put, the law of attraction says that like attracts like, but we're really talking at a level of thought. Our job as humans is to hold on to the thoughts of what we want, make it absolute clear in our minds what we want, and from that we start to invoke one of the greatest laws in the universe, and that's the law of attraction. How do you feel? Told ya. Well, once I believed, I was all in. But then this simple idea stopped feeling so simple. Or maybe it felt too simple. It just didn't feel like it was working for me when I needed it the most or something. The problem was, I was just focusing on my thoughts. So I might have had all these negative feelings running through my body while forcing this positive thought that I didn't really believe, and more importantly, I didn't feel at all. And what I know now is I didn't understand how to find alignment with these thoughts quite yet. So the law of attraction for me became something that I turned to when it was convenient or when it was easy to think the positive thoughts. And in those times, I would notice a difference. It's like things just flowed. But maybe it was just that sometimes things flowed and sometimes things didn't. And when it felt hard to think positively about my situation, it just felt better to sulk a little bit. Well, when I finally took the leap to follow my passion, that's when everything really changed because I was living in alignment. So even when things were hard or I had no idea how I was going to make this idea work or how I was going to make money off of it, I still felt better than I ever had. I was excited to get up in the morning. 
And now knowing that it's possible, I really truly do want everyone to experience this kind of freedom. So today we're bringing it back to the basics of the law of attraction, and my goal for this episode is to make it as practical as possible, even for you skeptics, and even for those of you who just can't see a way out of your current situation. Maybe you're stuck in a bad job and you have five kids to take care of, or maybe you don't know what your passion is, or you just find the whole idea of following your passion to be unrealistic. How can this idea work for you? How can you find alignment with a higher vibration of yourself? That's what we're talking about today. And today's guest is Gary Temple Bodley, an author, speaker, and host of two podcasts, Joshua Live and the Law of Attraction Roundtable. He's a spiritual leader and teacher and an expert on the law of attraction and teaching people things like there's more to life than what you're currently experiencing and you have power over fate and that everyone is a spiritual being living in a physical existence. Well, to make this even more interesting, he channels a group of non-physical beings that go by Joshua. Joshua's even written a few books through Gary. So if this idea interests you and you want to know more about channeling, also I recommend you go back and listen to episode 38 with Paul Selig. Really fascinating. But in this episode, three key things you will learn are what our thoughts teach us about where we are right now, even the negative ones, how to better practice love and acceptance no matter where we are in our lives, and the exact steps to get your whole being into alignment with your highest vibration. Do you want to know the best way to remind yourself that you are in control of your life? Sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational emails right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a really cool booklet of Powerless to help you gain clarity and live with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you want to make it really easy, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Gary Temple Bodley to the show. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start with your story. It's an incredible one. In 2013, you started channeling a group of non-physical teachers known as Joshua. And that year, you even channeled your first book through them. Or maybe I should say that they wrote the book through you. But how did that all come to be? Well, prior to all this, I was just a normal guy living a normal life. I was in business and real estate. I had a restaurant franchise and all that was married and everything was going just like a normal life. But about five years before, when the real estate crash happened in South Florida, I had lost everything. And so we moved from our house, which went into foreclosure. And we moved to this beautiful house, sort of a ways away from where we were, away from our friends. And I was like, how do I get my money back? What am I going to do? And someone brought over the secret. And my wife, Lily, and I were really into the secret, and we listened to it. We didn't have a CD player in the house, so we drove around in our car and just over and over again. And then that led me to Esther Hicks, and Esther channels Abraham. And I had never even heard of a channel before this, but somehow it resonated with me. And so I thought, okay, this is cool. And we actually went to a workshop and got totally into that, and at that workshop, I sort of found my passion. And a couple of years later, Lily found her passion. And so we're just sort of getting back on our feet again. And she's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing, which was renovating houses and playing poker. And life was going good. We had sort of gotten back to where we almost were. And then I had this huge inspiration to start meditating. My whole life, I was totally resistant to meditating, but then I heard Jerry Seinfeld did it and a bunch of other people were meditating, so I thought, well, let's give that a try. So I sit down, and Lily and I sit down together, and we start meditating, and it's really hard at first, but once you get into it, it's sort of pleasurable. And I would say after about a month of doing this every day, I started to feel a presence in the side of my head, under my skin, sort of like a hand caressing my jaw. And it was super obvious, but it was comforting somehow. And so every single time I meditated and it would spread around my skull. And so one day I just started asking questions like, 
kind of like life questions, something like maybe if, if you know Esther and Abraham in the hot seat, if you would ask Abraham questions. So I got these answers back that were clear and brilliant and just like Abraham. And so I think I'm making it up and I don't really tell anyone about this. So it goes on for a few months. And then one day I said, who is this? And they said, we are Joshua. And I still thought I was making it up, but it came every day and the questions were so good. And in eventually November 15th, 2013, Joshua said, get up and go right, right, right. So I got up, went to my home office, sat down on my computer and just started typing. And I typed for about 45 minutes without even knowing what I was typing. And when I was done, I thought it was all gibberish, but then I read it back and that session became the introduction to the first of five books. The first book's called A Perception of Reality, and that was the introduction to that book. The next day, I went and typed again, and in eight weeks, that whole book was done. The day after that book was finished, the next book, Health, Wealth, and Lust, was started, and in eight weeks, that book was done. And so it's all gone on from there. It's interesting because I follow some channelers. One of my favorites is Paul Selig, who's been on this show before. Have you heard of Paul Selig? Absolutely. When I started channeling, I just thought Esther was the only channel. So then I started looking around and I found Story Waters and Paul and all these other people. And I bought the books. I thought, wow, this is really interesting. The thing that was most interesting is that Joshua was completely consistent with every other channel, and they were all consistent with each other. I have noticed that too. And what I find fascinating is I remember being young and being raised in a religion that I don't identify with anymore. But I remember thinking, why did all the miracles happen back then? Does it seem like there's a resurgence of these miracles? Like maybe these non-physical entities are saying, okay, we've left you guys alone for too long and we're ready to step in and give you some guidance? Or do you think that's been happening all this time? It's just maybe some of us are just awakening to it now. What I think after doing this for six and a half years is that we can all can do this, that this is natural, that we should be communicating with our inner selves and with guides and things like that, and even with loved ones who have passed over that that is part of who we are. That's part of our, you know, our sixth sense. And it's waiting for all of us there. And I've worked with a lot of people over the last six years. I have a boot camp that people go through. And 30% of people who go through that boot camp begin channeling themselves. Wow. So you had said in one of your books that you were led step by step to the teachers of Abraham. And you've since learned that that's how the universe works. So it kind of sounds like that's what you're touching on right now. But what do you think is the difference between your state of mind, how you were open and willing to receive it compared to maybe why some people never discover that this is a possibility? We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now for another episode of lies we've been told about our health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. 
The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. What do you think is the difference between your state of mind compared to maybe why some people never discover that this is a possibility? That's really interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with our pre-birth intentions. And we've all been programmed to think that life works a certain way and that we're sort of isolated individuals living in a malevolent universe where we have to protect ourselves and control the conditions in ourselves as much as possible. And then you sort of learn how physical reality is set up. It's set up so that we can go on this journey of self-discovery. And most of the time we're resisting it because we think our lives should be one way, yet how it works is we had pre-birth intentions to explore certain aspects of physical reality, to discover who we truly are. And if we allow that path to unfold, then we find ourselves living these big, huge, beautiful lives that we intended prior to our birth. But we all go through lack and we all go through unworthiness and we all are taught to be careful and safe and control yourself and try to control the conditions and try to gain power. And that just doesn't work. It's just not effective. So I was in that whole Western lifestyle of making money and trying to prove myself and prove my worthiness and get people to appreciate me. And the more money I made, which I made a lot, the totally less satisfied and happy I was. And I was always efforting and struggling and having these issues. And all of my friends who were rich were doing the same thing. They were getting DUIs and getting divorces and getting lawsuits and all this stuff. While on the outside, it looked like they had the perfect life. They had cars and boats and beautiful houses. So that loss of all of my money and everything that I was, I had to strip it all away and say, well, who am I? And that was my point of less resistance. And just a little bit less resistance allows in this inspiration that will take you to where you intended to go. You had mentioned that after discovering Abraham Hicks, both you and your wife made a bunch of life changes. You found your passion. You started doing this thing that used to be a hobby, renovating houses, and you made it your main gig. And your wife, I think, started redoing furniture, and that became really successful as well. What this leads me to believe that maybe you have to answer some of the callings if you want to receive more of the callings. Like you need to show that you're willing to be led if you want more or maybe even more specific guidance. What are your thoughts on that? All right. I'll tell you what I figured out after six and a half years. Well, actually, it's been longer than that with Abraham. But here's how it works. Okay. So the way that we are programmed is to really try and somehow prove our worthiness. And that is everyone's goal. I'm going to achieve in this class. I'm going to achieve in this sport. I'm going to achieve in this business. I'm going to achieve by having this beautiful wife. All these things, right? That is the backward way of doing it. The real way of doing it is to set everything up so that you feel good. And feeling good is really our natural state of being, and we call it alignment. And in alignment, we're perceiving our life as our inner self is perceiving our life, or as source is perceiving our life. Everything is good. And when you're not resisting, when you're perceiving everything is good in alignment, then you're open to inspiration. And then the inspiration will come, and sometimes you will feel fear, like the inspiration to talk to you today. 
here we are in a big podcast and I want to make sure that I'm come across well and all that stuff. But I know that this is aligned with who I am and that I get a chance to tell this story, which I think will be beneficial to a lot of people. So I have to push past the fear to do what I'm inspired to do. And whenever I push past the fear, it will always lead to my highest good. So instead of trying to play it safe and make sure that you don't get negative emotion and don't fail, in this new approach to life, it's doing whatever it takes to feel good, realizing that everything that comes to you is for you, and that when something does come to you, that there will always be fear, but you can push past that fear to do what you're inspired to do. And this will set you on a path towards everything you truly want. I have the question from a lot of people. I've been asked this more than anything, but I'm curious to know your perspective on it. A lot of people, well, everybody has this fear that comes up, especially when they're pushing themselves to a new level. But people confuse that with like a gut instinct that maybe they're not supposed to do it. How do you decipher between those two things of maybe it's your body saying, hey, this might be the wrong move compared to, hey, this is crazy and scary, but this is the right move. Okay, perfect. So if you are trying to control things and if you feel fear, you are going to receive urges to change conditions. So say you get really angry and you have the urge to punch the wall. Well, if you punch the wall, it's not going to help the wall or your hand. And so the gut feeling says, don't punch the wall. It's not going to be of any good. But if you're doing what's aligned with who you really are, if you know it's for your overall benefit and you feel fear, which you always will, you can push past that fear, realizing the fear is just trying to keep you safe, keeping you safe from change. It's like your ego saying, hey, you've done really well. You're alive. Let's not go and do this big, bold thing that you're inspired to do. And I think that's what the difference is. One is an urge to change the conditions and one is inspiration that will move you forward. It's funny because I look at my ego. I feel like I have a bunch of different ones. and <laughs> It depends on my mood, but it's how I kind of visualize it. And it's funny because like you said, where that ego is resisting the change, I almost feel like that's because it's that version of myself that doesn't want to be stripped of itself or it doesn't want to lose itself. And so it's like, no, don't become a little bit better because this is me right here. And so it's like I'm constantly shedding these layers of my ego. And it's funny, I've just always had that visual from when I was a child. You get visuals of yourself in these different forms, especially since you're now channeling different entities. Well, what you just said there about the ego wanting to protect the self that's existing right now, it's so strong because the ego, I think, is tied to the survival instinct. And the survival instinct is really saying, don't do anything that might get you hurt. And so the ego says, don't do anything that might cause change because, hey, it's working, you're, you're surviving. But we want to thrive. And so we have to push past the limitations imposed by our ego. And once we do, well, we shed that ego. Now we have a new ego that says, okay, well, now you're here now and you will always have that ego. And that ego really is based on this idea of yourself, this persona that you've created about yourself. So the more malleable that persona is, the less rigid the ego has to be because you aren't really defining yourself that way. But as far as visions go, I've never really had any visions. And a lot of my friends who are channels have these really obvious visions. And I had one occasion last week I was in Florida with friends and it was like one in the morning and it was candle lit. And I started to see that in each person, they had between three and five personality types in them that I think was there when they were born. As part of their journey, they would adopt these three or four personality types that would lead them. And I'm just discovering this now. I'm just playing with this idea now. But it seems as if. If you're coming to physical reality to explore something unique, you would set up a lot of platforms. And these four that I saw so clearly, personalities, some of which the person really liked, 
and some they didn't like, but they had to express them all to become this authentic version of who they are. And if they could express all of those equally without trying to suppress any of them, then their true power would come out. And I think that that's they're waiting for all of us. So everyone, all of us like certain things about ourselves and not other things, but we really have to accept and embrace everything that makes us unique. And if we could do that, then we'll engage all these superpowers and all these talents and attributes that are hidden below the surface. So if we have these parts of our personalities that need to be expressed, but that we may not like, it's really a lesson in basically accepting ourselves for who we are. But where do we get the sense that one of those is wrong or why we don't like one of them, if that makes sense, if they're all technically right and good and should be expressed? Well, we've been trained to judge things. And humanity has always lived in this duality. Based on my personal judgment, that's good and that's bad. But based on someone else's judgment, it's reversed, right? So it's all a personal thing. And it's either this is good or that's bad. If you judge something as good, well, really what you're saying is it's aligned with how I think things should be. And if you judge anything as bad, what you're saying is I fear that. And so we're pushing away things. Now, what's really interesting, there's been five Joshua books. There's been, oh my God, millions of articles and answers to people's questions. But the entire teachings of Joshua start with the first three words ever written, which is everything is right. Everything is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe. Anything seen as wrong is done so from a limited perspective. From the higher perspective, whether that's after a bit of time or from the higher perspective of non-physical, everything is right. So if you can see that something that happened in your past, say your first breakup with a boyfriend, at the time, it seems so wrong. And yet, that breakup had to happen so that you could be led to meeting your husband and being married now. And now, if you look back on that breakup, you don't feel the same negative emotion because the fear's not there anymore because you have all the information. So what we're saying is, if you think something's wrong in the moment, it's simply because you don't have all the information. And if you had all the information, you wouldn't feel fear, and therefore, you wouldn't think it was wrong. That makes perfect sense. And actually, I was just reminded of one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes in an earlier episode, that you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. And that's exactly what you're saying, where you don't have all the information right now. So you just have to trust that everything is right and good. And it's funny because I am pretty good at doing that when the world collapses around me. It's happened a few different times where I felt like I was losing everything that I loved. But I'm not so good at it in the little day-to-day decisions. Like I might think, oh, hey, I just made a mistake there or this just happened because I messed up. And so how do you start to reconcile that? Because there's so many times where I know the information. I know that, yes, I need to just love and accept this. This is for me. But actually embodying that and internalizing it is so much more difficult. Do you ever struggle with that? And how do you convince yourself that, hey, this is really right and good? All right. So that's using your imagination. When we're kids, we use our imagination to imagine all these wonderful things. But as adults, we tend to imagine the worst possible outcome for any scenario. It's so silly, really. The fact is that everything has worked up till now, right? Every moment was perfect. Everything led us to where we are now. Everything was working good. So why do we think that it's not going to work out in the future? The reason is we're trying to protect ourselves from some kind of bad thing happening to us. And so we say, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? All right, all right, here it is there. Now, what we say is everything is right. Everything is for us. Nothing bad can happen to us. If it comes to us, it's got to be for our benefit somehow. Now, that may say sound, sound a little Pollyanna, but when you start really paying attention to all of this and what your emotions are telling you and how the system works, you can really start to see, okay, this thing happened. We all thought it was bad, but look how that turned out. 
And then you start to gain this confidence that, okay, well, actually this is turning out because I got to see like this limiting belief or this thing that I was resisting. And if I could just get rid of that limiting belief, then when an inspiration happens, I wouldn't be so afraid to push past it. It's, it is really complex. There's a lot of moving parts to this. But the general thing is to say, all right, I know everything is for me. How is this for me? Could this possibly be leading to something else that I can't see and go from there? And it is a day-by-day practice, but it builds momentum as you do it. So that's really the key, just to start with your imagination, start thinking a little bit differently, how could this be for me, rather than reactively saying, this is wrong, this is bad, this is a bad thing, and it's going to lead to something terrible. I have a question about when this actually involves other people. And so I have a lot of empaths that listen to this show. And so there's a lot of talk. I've had a lot of guests come on and it's like, you know, if you're an empath, these certain types of people might not be best for you, whatever it might be. And I know even in my growth journey, there's been people that were in my life that I'm like, okay, it's time. I need to cut this person out. Where is that line of love and acceptance and then protecting your own energy because somebody's bringing you down. Are you supposed to look at that and say like, well, I'm actually learning a lot through this because we do in our troubled relationships, we tend to learn the most, especially when we can't cut those people out. But I do think that there's something in protecting ourselves and being our best selves by protecting that energy that we're bringing. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Yeah, this is a big subject around like creating boundaries. Well, the first primary thing that you have to understand 
is that you are the creator of your reality and that nobody can create in your reality. And this is evidenced by the fact that you can think any thought you want and you can choose any perspective you want. And no one can choose thoughts for you, nor can they make you choose any perspective. So you have this person that you've attracted into your reality. This person has been basically a feedback system for how you've been being and what you've been vibrating. And so we all tend to say that this person causes me to feel this way. Well, that's not true at all. How you judge that person or how you judge yourself has to do with, are you in alignment or are you out of alignment? And alignment means, are you choosing a perspective that your inner self is choosing from their non-physical perspective? Is that in alignment? Are you seeing everything as good because they're seeing everything as good? Well, no, I'm seeing this person as being bad and they're making me feel bad. Well, that has to do with your limiting belief because without that limiting belief, you could not perceive that person as wrong. Or that person could not be in your life to show you that you have this limiting belief. So we say, address your limiting belief first and stop trying to change the conditions. Now, once you address this limiting belief, the limiting belief is usually something like, I'm not worthy, or I'm not good enough, or if I was good enough, I wouldn't be with this person, that sort of thing. So you address that limiting belief first, and then that person either leaves your reality, or you say, what am I doing with this person in my reality? And you make a conscious decision to do something differently. That makes sense. It's almost like... I remember being a young girl. My mom made me join this program called Confident Kids. And I remember being so upset because it was like I either got to be in Girl Scouts or Confident Kids. And my mom chose Confident Kids for me. And it seemed so lame. But it's so funny because I still use some of those lessons that I learned. But I was about seven years old and they were telling me that no one can make you feel anything. And that's something that I've carried with me through my life when somebody says, you're making me do this. It's not only just helpful for me in realizing, hey, I have power over my own emotions. I create this reality. But it's also helped me from getting dragged down into maybe a manipulative interaction because a person that's trying to say, you're doing this to me, you're doing that to me, whereas a normal kid might have felt burden, like a burden of being this person that's making somebody else feel something, I was able to realize that that was about them and not about me. And that's just been such a powerful practice to actually be able to internalize. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, really, that is a high level stuff because we all start to think, okay, we have to be good so we don't upset other people. And it goes a lot deeper than that because we aren't in control of other people's perception of reality or their perspective or where their limiting beliefs are. We trigger people sometimes just by being ourselves, and they come to us and and want us to be different than we are because they're trying to change the condition. They're feeling negative emotion, so they receive an urge to change the condition, and we happen to be the condition that's easiest for them to change. And this happened to all of us as kids. Our parents wanted us to be good primarily to ease their own fear. They saw us toddling around and about to hit the coffee table. They said, stop. And they weren't primarily concerned about our well-being. They were concerned about how they would feel if we hit ourselves on the coffee table. Well, that's, that's an actual injury that could happen. But then it goes on, how do you dress for this occasion? You know, you have to go to church and you have to come and eat dinner at the table. And you have to do all these things and you have to be polite in public. And so we've got all these beliefs set upon us that aren't really that helpful, they're not bad, they're just a little limiting. And it all is done from someone else wanting us to be different than we are. So now we get to adulthood and we don't really know who we are or what we really want or what we're good at. We're trying to conform to this idea of good. And so we say, okay, we were good as kids and we got love from our parents. Now we try to be good as adults And we try to get love from other people, bosses and lovers and friends and all that. And it doesn't work. And we're like, 
well, hold on here. I'm being good and I'm not getting back what I'm supposed to be getting back. And that's because being good is sort of just glossing over who you truly are. You're not being authentic. What I find interesting too is one of the greatest teachers of that marriage has been to me is realizing how often I have a tendency and I don't always act on it, but I have to stop myself inside of wanting to easily blame somebody else for my own discomfort. (laughs) And this sounds terrible as I'm saying it, but for example, when I first was trying to build my business and I was working from home, I would sometimes find it very easy to procrastinate because maybe my next action was something kind of challenging or I didn't exactly know how to do it. And so it's so easy to put those things off. But if my husband was around, then I would have this urge inside where I'm like, oh, if you weren't here, I would have gotten this done, which Uh, might not have been true at all, because maybe he wasn't there the day before and I still didn't get it done. And so it's something that I'm aware of. And it's not like I sit there and I'm snapping at my husband, blaming him, but I will have an internal conversation with myself like, this is not his fault. Like you need to decouple wanting to just place the blame. And it's just interesting how we have those tendencies to blame the people around us for what we're feeling or for our lack of wanting to understand what or how we're feeling. Yeah. So this gets really deep and we have this philosophy now. First of all, we don't create thoughts in our brain. Thoughts are attracted like everything else. The law of attraction starts with thoughts and then turns to things. So if we're in alignment, if we're feeling good, if we're happy, excited, exhilarated, if we're following a passion, then the thoughts that come to us are in alignment with how we're seeing life. And so all the inspiration to do things and the fun thoughts and the witty comments to say are flowing naturally. And those thoughts aren't to change the conditions because we we are saying in those moments of alignment, Everything is good. There's no need to change anything. However, if we're attached to some outcome that we think should happen, well, if it seems like it's not happening, you're at home and you are procrastinating, and you're like, I should be doing this, but I'm not. Well, then we are out of alignment and we dip into a stream of consciousness that's based in lack and fear. And those thoughts are thoughts to change the conditions. Those are urges. And so the easiest urge would be to say, listen, if you were here, I could get all this done, right? And that's an urge to change a condition. But it doesn't help your relationship and it doesn't help you create this business from home that you want to do. It doesn't really do anything. It's ineffective. And so this is why we say, do everything you can to get into alignment so that you receive all these thoughts that are coming from this higher level ideas from source rather than the lower vibrational thoughts that come to change conditions. If you can do that, if you can spend more time in alignment and less time in resistance, it's amazing what will happen. So when we're trying to find the state of alignment, imagine you are somebody who hasn't yet followed these steps. Maybe you're still stuck in a job that you don't like. You aren't waking up feeling good. You're definitely not in alignment. What are the first steps to begin getting there while still taking into account survival? Maybe you have a family and you can't just quit your job that you hate. You still need to figure out a way to make an income. Do you find the low-hanging fruit of just what's going to make you feel good? Like, What is that process like for those who haven't yet fathomed it? Okay, great question. Number one thing, and I know that you're into this as well, is you is start meditating. You have to be able to discern thoughts. You have to be able to perceive yourself as the observer of thought and not the thought factory, right? You are not your thoughts. They are coming to you, but they do not define you in any way. They are simply a reflection of your vibration you are offering where you are right now. Everything's happening in the moment. The only thing that matters is in the moment. And so in meditation, You can see the thoughts that are coming in the moment, and you can observe them. You can assess the quality of the thoughts, and gradually over time, you'll begin to push away or ease away or understand what's happening and attract higher-level thoughts. It's all in the thoughts. So we start with changing our habit of thought. Now, 
the next thing to do is to realize that things are neither good or bad. They are all neutral, and we are only judging them as good or bad. If we're judging them as good, well, that's because they align with how we think things should be. If we're judging them as bad, that's fear. So if we can realize that the fear is mostly irrational, meaning it can't kill you, then we don't have to take it so seriously. We can say, okay, it's just a fear. No big deal. We're not going to die. Let's just let it in and think about it more. So we stop resisting, like maybe you stop watching the news. The news is just basically built in fear. Now, if you're watching the news, a lot of the thoughts you feel while watching the news are going to be resistant. You think the bad things are happening all over the world. One way to speed up this process is stop watching the news. Watching the news is actually a form of control. You think by watching the news, you can sort of control your reality, and that's ineffective. By not watching the news, you will notice that you're not missing anything, nothing of importance. You can also start really appreciating what you have now. And this sounds counterintuitive because if you're not really enjoying your life, why would you have a list of things you appreciate? Wouldn't that keep that same life going? And actually what's happening is you're building on the parts of your life that you do appreciate without resisting the other parts. And so you build this momentum of appreciation and gratitude, and then a little more gets better, a little more gets better. And over time, you've adjusted your vibration so now that things feel different to you and things actually become different. What if you're living with somebody who has a different version of what their reality is going to turn out to be? I have a lot of people that reach out and they're maybe on this self-growth process. They're trying to understand these things, but their partner isn't there yet. And usually what I tell them is to start leading by example, because when they see those changes in you, that tends to attract more people than you telling somebody you should be doing this to change your life. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Most marriages and most relationships are one person asking the other person to be different. Then that person feels fear because they feel like they're not being accepted. And so then the fear just ratchets it up. If you could absolutely accept your partner as they are, even though they're not interested in this stuff, you are being an example of alignment. You're an example of acceptance. Acceptance is the same thing as love. When you love someone, what you're saying is you accept them. However, if you love someone and you're complaining about them or asking them to be different, you're not accepting them. So you're not really loving them anyway. Just practice that. Let them be where they are. You practice where you are and you will notice in really 80 to 90% of the time, they're going to change to be more accepting of you. So now instead of you change and I'll feel better or you change and I'll feel better, it's now I'm going to accept me and I'm going to accept you. And once you start accepting yourself and start accepting them, then they will mirror that back to you because it feels so much better. That is such a powerful practice because I've noticed I actually, when I was first learning acceptance and trying to accept things as they are, I had to start with other people before I could really start with myself. There was something easier about accepting somebody else's flaws for me than accepting my own flaws. And so I even do that now when I find myself being really hard on my body or my procrastination or whatever, I will look to somebody else and send love that way and I'll be able to then internalize it. And it's interesting because I know for me, even just having this podcast and being seen in a certain way, maybe as a teacher or a voice of reason, when I do have those lower self moments, I have to catch myself from going down a mini shame spiral. It's like I've created this version of me and now I have to live up to it. And I'm so curious about your experience with that because you are channeling these otherworldly entities, but you're still just a man while having access to these beings, maybe greater than man or more expansive than man. How do you reconcile that? You still make mistakes. On one hand, I think the comparison could be worse. But on the other hand, you're probably getting guidance right there from them saying not to compare. How do you do that? Everything they tell us is counter to what we've all learned. So the number one thing they tell us, all of us, is that we are equal to them. We are not lesser or greater than them. 
We are equal to each other. We are all equal, and we're all one. I'm equal to you. You're equal to me. I'm equal to everyone else. Everyone else is equal to me. There is no hierarchy. Okay. I'm unique. There's no one that's ever lived this life. You're unique. There's no one that's ever lived, will live, or has lived anything like what your life is. You have a unique perspective. That perspective, as in every single other 7 billion people on this planet, is valuable and worthy because it gives us a new, all-inclusive look at what life is, what sources, all this stuff, right? If we're all equal and we're all unique, then we're all worthy. So here's the big thing. Man does not want us to be equal or unique or worthy. Man wants to control us. And that's loosening up now because there's less need of control. But, you know, the religions wanted to control and governments wanted to control and parents wanted to control. And so they made us feel as if we were imperfect. And we thought if we could get better, then we would have a better life. So we're always chasing the thing that seems to make us better. If we lose a few pounds, if we work out the gym, if we make more money, if we go to this class, whatever. Here's the big secret. We were perfect the day we were born, right? Were you perfect the day we were born? I believe so, yes. Was there anything wrong with you on that day? No. But you couldn't walk or talk. So were you imperfect? Mm, Is that a trick question? No, you were perfect. I was perfectly imperfect. When you learned to walk, you were just expanded version of the perfection that was you. Mm -hmm. And when you learned to talk, you expanded to another level. And so we expand through each experience, but we never get more perfect than the day we were born, which means we're never imperfect. In fact, in every moment, we're perfect for what we need to be doing this moment. We don't need anything else. You and I have everything we need to have this conversation this moment. Our bodies are perfect to have this conversation, to sit here, to express ourselves. We don't need any more money to do this. We don't need any more equipment. We've got everything we need. We are perfect in this moment. Now, as a result of this conversation, we'll express ideas and maybe we'll come to another level of expansion and we may see things from another perspective, but we're still perfect. So, chasing this idea of getting better is just more control and it's all based in fear that we're not enough so then if we're perfect for what we have it also means all our decisions are perfect as well so once we've made the decision we can't unmake it so let's imagine that that decision is perfect rather than beating ourselves up because we can always make another decision in the future and another choice and so now it's all about our choices Is our choice based on this flawed person that I am trying to get better, or is it based on I'm good as I am now, and this will lead to more fun or adventure or excitement or discovery? And if you live your life like that, less control and more fun and exhilaration, well, then you're going to have, this will lead you to this life that you always wanted to live. So we follow those feelings and we basically try to feel it in our body. What am I trying to live up to? Am I trying to live up to a societal expectation or am I trying to live up to what lights me up and what exhilarates me and moves me forward to my most exciting life or the life that makes me feel actually happy, not what I think is going to make me happy. Am I correct? How did you start this podcast? Did you start it to be better in some way? Did you do it to make money or did you do it to prove your worthiness or were you inspired? It was inspiration and I had to reach my own breaking point. I was living somebody else's dream and I was getting so miserable and I was learning all this stuff on the side, but I had not yet embodied the beliefs and made some big drastic leap until I got fed up. And so I started this on the side. I think I wanted to just have something that made me happy compared to my day to day. And then the moment that I found that and the moment that it lit me up in that way, like it sparked something, I had so much less ability to even settle in that other area. And so then it was easy to start making leaps. And that's where I've lived my life since. And like, don't you want everyone to do this? You know, that it's not starting a podcast, but just go in that direction of something you're passionate about and don't give a hoot what anyone else thinks. Oh, you're starting a podcast. Who do you think you are, right? That must have come up for you. 
And it's like, well, you hide that thing for a while until it gets a momentum. But when you're in something that exhilarates you and time just loses meaning, well, then that's when you know that you've hit on some interest, some passion. And this is the bliss. And this will lead to other things, you know, other passions and other interests and these lives that we all intended to live prior to our birth. We don't have to play it small. We can do whatever we're inspired to do. And the key is just to figure out how to deal with that fear that's always going to pop up. Right. And so many people, I asked the question earlier because I get the question a lot asking, but what if I still have the family to feed? And what if I have to survive? And what you're saying is, and just like it happened for me, is this for me started as a hobby because I needed something that would make me feel good. And so quickly after that, because I found that alignment, opportunities just started opening. This podcast grew at an exponential rate. I was being invited to speak. I didn't plan those things. I didn't know how I was going to make money through this. I just knew I needed something to make me happy. And everything else unfolded like the universe was conspiring with me, like Paul Coelho says in The Alchemist. So you don't need to have it all figured out to make a leap. And even if you still need to keep that job on the side for a little bit while you prove to yourself that something else is possible. That's what I did. And it worked for me. Yeah. And in fact, the funny thing is that if you could see the version of you that will exist five years from now after following your passion, you'd probably be too scared to even do it. Like imagine if five years ago, you'd see yourself where you are now talking to all these famous people and speaking in front of people. You're like, that's not even me. Because you're going on this journey of self-discovery to discover who you are, and you have to do it one step at a time. Right. It's like if you zoomed into that moment, because that's a real fear of people, where it's like, will I be able to sustain my success? But what you don't realize is you might not be ready to see that version of you quite yet, because that's not what you've yet embodied. But through the steps to get there, as it unfolds, you become that person who can handle that and who seeks that and who people seek your guidance for. So it really is such a magical process that I am very passionate about sharing. And I'm so thankful that you get to add almost, a, well, it's like an extra dimension because you have this gift that you're sharing with this audience. So thank you so much for coming and sharing all this wisdom and the teachings of Joshua. And so for listeners who are interested in connecting with you and hearing more from Joshua, <laughs> where's the best place for them to connect with you? They can go to theteachingsofjoshua.com or just Google Gary Temple Bodley, and it's all out there, easy to find. All the links from this episode will be in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 122. I have to admit, if you'd have told me like 10 years ago that people channel non-physical beings, I would have wanted to believe it, but deep down, I really would have thought it was impossible. The person who changed that for me was Paul Selig. His books have been spoken in front of a live audience and then transcribed with no editing. <laughs> that is so fascinating to me. When you read these books, it's just truth after truth. I could not ignore how profound every sentence seemed to be. And for someone to basically speak out loud a book and for there to be no errors, it's really mind blowing. So since opening my mind to that, I've found so many more channelers, Abraham Hicks, Gary Temple Bowden, A Course in Miracles, we are constantly being guided. We just have to allow ourselves to be led. And the way to receive that is to allow yourself to feel as good as possible and just follow those good feelings. Think about that. That is such an easy request. It's the opposite of how most of us were raised, where our lives should be full of sacrifice and everything should be hard. And zoom in for a minute. How amazing is it that we have access to this guidance and that it can be in plain sight, just spoken through another person? So your challenge this week is to feel as good as possible. Follow your good feelings. Try to light yourself up and then notice what opens up for you. And share this episode with someone who needs it, please. Who in your life seems to always be fighting an uphill battle? Who needs to remember that they can actually feel good in this lifetime? Share this with them. And don't forget to connect with me on IG at MindLoveMelissa and with Gary at Joshua Teachings. And let us know how this goes. 
I love hearing your stories. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 